0: It became extremely apparent that, to be inclusive to all the new member states, that we had to meet the needs and the new challenges that these countries brought the organization.
1: Hello, this is the Weekly Tradecast, a podcast brought to you by UNCTAD, the UN's trade and development body. I'm Sarah Toms. We're exploring how major events are shaping trade and development and how that affects billions of people around the world. This week, we have a special episode looking back at some of our most popular podcasts over the past year and the many challenges they address. And what a year it's been. Economic recovery is still shaky and markets are volatile as conflicts in Ukraine, the Middle East and elsewhere fuel tensions and uncertainty. I spoke to economist Rolf Traeger, chief of UNCTAD's least developed countries section, about the impact of the global food and energy shocks on the most vulnerable
2: countries. If you look at the exporters of wheat, of rice, of soybeans, less than. 10 countries account for as much as 80 to 90 percent of world exporters of these uh, staple food items. So the minute you have a disruption in one or two or even three of these major exporters, this has an immediate uh, effect on world markets. So there is a structural problem there, first of all, uh, of uh, over-concentration on the export side and over reliance on import on the side of uh, many countries, particularly low-income developing countries, several countries in Africa, but also many countries in the Middle East and North Africa. So we have some structural issues there, which preceded both the outbreak of COVID and the outbreak of the war in Ukraine.
1: Right. Now, it's not just food prices, is it? Because Russia is also a major exporter of fertilizers. So what are the prospects for the next harvest coming up?
2: There has been a very strong rise in the international prices of fertilizers, which has gone even above and beyond the rise in exports of uh, some basic foodstuffs. So, this is an issue for farmers worldwide. But how do these countries react? That's quite different among uh, different types Mm. of countries, meaning that high-income countries, rich countries, they can afford to subsidize their farmers uh, and, the costs of these farmers in terms both of fertilizer costs, but also fuel costs. So they can moderate the price and the cost increase for their farmers. But the real problem is for low-income countries, for LDCs, whose governments cannot afford to subsidize the costs of their farmers.
1: A global cost of living crisis persisted throughout the year with inflation high. Huge numbers of people have felt the pain of a sharp rise in interest rates. That's put extra debt pressure on everyone, but particularly developing countries. I asked Daniel Munavar from UNCTAD's Debt and Development Finance branch to put the credit crunch in context.
3: We're dealing with a global problem that no individual country can solve by itself. We need multilateral solution. The first component is to ensure that countries can receive the resources they need for their development without incurring additional additional debts. So we have a mechanism, a compromise, a commitment for official development assistance where developed countries should contribute at least 0.7 percent of their gross national income to developing countries. Mm. But this goal has never been met. And that is creating a shortfall of resources that developing countries then have to go out and borrow, which makes mm. their situation worse. Mm-hmm. So part number number two, we need to ensure that precisely the type of financing that we provide to developing countries is linked to their financial capacity. So then we need to expand the multilateral concessional financing system that allows these countries to borrow long term at really low rates in order to ensure that they don't face periods of instability that aggravate their problems. The third component is that we need to have a better system to solve when countries face a debt problem. So we need a multilateral debt workout mechanism, which is simply a way to ensure that debtors receive a fair treatment and that creditors also receive a fair treatment on, a, on an equal basis. And the fourth point, which is actually most important of all, is that we need to move towards a system where developing countries have are better represented in how this international financial architecture works.
1: Another big issue of 2023 was extreme weather and the impact of global warming. Richard Baldwin, head of investment research at UNCTAD's Division on Investment and Enterprise, told me about the urgent need to cut emissions and invest in the green transition.
4: The need for investment in energy is, is enormous. It is, if you want, it's the biggest component of the Uh, investment needs in the overall SDGs Um, and that is because it touches on multiple sustainable development goals and of course on the objectives of the Paris Accords. Mm -hmm. Right, We're in the middle of the energy transition so we need investment uh, that supports the transition to green and clean energy but we also need to still culminate a huge gap in terms of access to electricity in many developing countries. So it is not just about making the energy transition, it is also about providing energy for all. And in addition mm. to that, uh, with the recent energy crisis, a third objective is now uh, at the fore in many countries, which is energy security.
1: This month, the UN held its latest climate summit, COP28, as experts warned that global warming must be limited to two degrees Celsius or less. To understand how trade can make a big difference in protecting the planet, I talked to Chanteline Copentier, head of UNCTAD's Trade, Environment, Climate Change and Sustainable Development branch. Until very recently, the climate community
0: was not really looking at trade as a mean to help achieve the goals. And the goal is to stay within 2 degrees increase, but ideally less than 1.5 degrees, because we know that the impacts are increasing exponentially as we get higher temperatures. And so we see this as a real opportunity, because on the one hand, trade contributes to a quarter of those emissions, but trade could also be helping us to reduce those emissions. For instances by allowing access to the technologies to those countries to transition away from fossil fuel to renewable energy, to allowing consumers to have access to environmentally preferable goods and services at a cost that is affordable.
1: Trade is part of the problem, but it's also part of the solution. Technology is transforming every aspect of our lives, how we work, eat, shop, travel and interact. I spoke to Torbjorn Fredrickson, head of the e-commerce and digital economy branch, about the risks and the opportunities.
5: There are so many opportunities from digitalization that we are already experiencing. If you just think about the developments of the past 10, 20 years, uh, how we are able now to pay with our mobile phone, how we can communicate with each other in different ways, how we can buy things online, how we can get things delivered to us digitally that we had to go to meet someone in person to have delivered before. So there's a whole range of things. And we also see the growing reliance on data and various digital solutions offering completely new opportunities for addressing some of the biggest development challenges that we are facing here in the world. At the same time, This is happening in a very uneven way across the world. So we see that if you took uh, the case of e-commerce, for example, we know that in, in the most advanced economies, virtually everyone buys something online every year. Whereas in the least developed countries of the world, maybe five, maximum 10% of the population is currently engaging in e-commerce. And the same thing applies when you think about how we can leverage all the data that is being generated online. And we don't have the same ability around the world to make use of this data. And there is big concerns that a lot of the value that is generated in the digital economy ends up in the hands of a relatively small number of players, especially the big global digital platforms. And that is raising questions about how the distribution of the gains is taking place and how we perhaps need to think about a new sets of governing in this evolving world.
1: In 2024, UNCTAD will continue its work to support recovery, trade and development, as it has for the past six decades. With UNCTAD celebrating its 60th birthday next year, I asked Danielle Hughes, Chief of the Records Management Unit, about the history of the UN's trade and development body.
0: The archives is a treasure trove of information and it is just waiting to be discovered by researchers who come in and, and look at, at the records. One of the more interesting or unusual pieces that is currently uh, on display in our museum at the moment was a letter of request, um, I believe it's from Granada, requesting the creation of an organization to uh, monitor and to uh, look into UFOs and other phenomena. <laughs> so, <laughs> And then we also have... It discovered that uh, unctad could have possibly been placed in Rome as opposed to Geneva in the 1960s. Really? and And the discussion behind that and why Geneva was chosen over Rome. So the archives are full of fascinating information. Just needs people to go in and, and delve through the 15 linear kilometers. <laughs>
1: <laughs> unctad was born in 1964. Why was there a need to set it up as a separate agency to support the trade and development issues of developing countries? So the decolonization
0: process, it gives us a good explanation to why UNCTAD was needed at the time. In 1960, 17 new countries joined the United Nations, mm. 16 of those were from Africa. And it became extremely uh, apparent that to be inclusive to all the new member states, that we had to meet the needs and the new challenges that these countries brought the organization. And this was especially apparent in the field of trade. And UNCTAD was established to be able to sort of facilitate that need from the new member states.
1: So that's it from all of us at UNCTAD for 2023. The weekly Tradecast will be back soon on January the 11th, but you can keep up with the most pressing issues around the world of trade and development on our website, unctad.org. I'm Sarah Toms in Geneva. Happy holidays and best wishes for the new year.